Everybody and welcome to season three, episode seventeen. Yeah, that's right. Of history's greatest idiots, the show where we look back through all of human history and uh, give you lessons that you can learn from the mistakes that were made, so that you never repeat those mistakes again. But who are we kidding? We're humans. We love repeating mistakes to the point where we make people's lives incredibly difficult sometimes. But hey, it's fun, I guess, for some people. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. So. If if I wasn't making mistakes, I wouldn't be doing anything at all. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if I wasn't making mistakes, I'd I'd probably like go out and find a way to make them. Uh, to be honest, because it's part of my existence as well. Uh, joining me as ever is my amazing co-host Derek. Derek, how are you doing, my man? Doing good, man. Getting yeah. By, doing things. We had like we've had like a long chat before this went live about the state <laughs> of like financial markets and like renting and buying of property across the world man it's it's tough it's, right now it's so weird everything yeah. is so weird but everything is really weird mark this in your calendar if you listen to this many years later august september basically the summer and early part of 2003 of uh, 2023 and is it 2003 um it's been like an incredibly difficult time for anyone that is trying to live in rented accommodation or is like remortgaging it's just it's so difficult america the uk western europe china new zealand australia there's housing crises all over the place and no one's doing anything about it except letting landlords exploit people so yeah they're just looking at it poking it with a stick like do something do something they're like okay raise <laughs> the rent. money <laughs> <laughs> raise the rent yeah that'll work and they'll just I, squeeze on everyone else can we charge uh, people to use their own garage yeah we're going to charge you per square foot uh, that you buy now. Now, yeah, can we? Basically, they squeeze the rents any way they can. I saw it in an article that the average rent in New York is now like over four grand. I just read a thing. Somebody, somebody is flying into their job in New York because it's cheaper to fly in every day than to live in there. I, I'm sure it's bullshit, but uh, well, I can kind of buy that given how. Uh, subsidized airlines are oh, I can buy that that and they've got like those those flights that they have to make even if they're empty because they lose their slot if they don't and um, the flights are empty so if you book onto one of those you get like a super cheap rent uh, rate even so yeah I can believe that someone flies into their job in New York like it's fucking crazy make landlords fight to the death says toaster zoid toaster zoid thank you for joining us and yes I agree with that sentiment actually I was a bit of glimpse into my past i was a landlord for 13 years actually and when i rented out the place that i owned which was a two-bedroom flat slash apartment i guess you'd call it um in in wales 
I rented out five hundred pounds a month, and then when I sold it thirteen years, disperses they die. I rented out five hundred pounds a month, and then when I sold it thirteen years later, it was um, it was four hundred and fifty pounds a month. So the rent had actually gone down because I I was kind of letting it out to um, people with mobility issues who were elderly. So I never wanted to charge more than five hundred pounds a month for a two bedroom place because it just felt wrong. And now we have landlords charging like three times that. Yeah, and <laughs> I think like it's it, parts of the world. It comes down to like it's not a personal thing anymore. It's a no. boardroom and a business, and nobody cares. <sighs> so sad. So yeah, the real idiots this year are the financial people who decided to make this decision. Anyway, let's let's move on to some stuff, some announcements. So um, if you guys want to follow us on social media. Go to at History's Greatest Idiots on Instagram. If you go to Twitter slash X or whatever the fuck that thing's called, <laughs> um, you can go to at Greatest Idiots. We're currently live on Twitter as we are live on YouTube and Twitch. You can find us by searching for History's Greatest Idiots on YouTube. And if you go to patreon.com slash History's Greatest Idiots, you can see some amazing posts by us. Like we're active on Patreon quite a lot. Like we've put dozens of posts on there like uploaded a bunch of um extra content uh behind the scenes stuff we've uploaded a bunch of scripts and you can pay as little as five dollars a month all the way up to twenty dollars a month um it's really good oh and you, you we got the card game now yeah i'm gonna address that in a minute first okay. of all, i wanted to um <laughs> i wanted to uh, give a shout out to our patrons jesse christ the og patron who uh who was our first through the door thank you so much jesse kimberly johnson um, who regularly joins us in streams, Kimberly? It's really thank you for continuing to support us. And Andrew Zavara, thank you so much again, our most recent patron. Uh, thank you guys so much for supporting us. It means the absolute world to us. And uh, thank you for being so loyal and such mega fans. So, so yeah, the card game. I've got it here. Look <gasps> how beautiful that thing is. I didn't. That really is awesome. It's uh, it really is. Like I was designing it, and like as I was designing the cards and putting it all together, it took about three four hours something like that i was thinking what is this going to arrive in because the game is based on top trumps uh, which you can learn about on the internet um it used to have a very specific case in the uk which was like part of the marketing like you could identify the deck from the case it arrived in but this is just a cassette deck <laughs> which is a, awesome yeah which is even better i think <laughs> i'm just gonna take it out of the packet now so for the people who are listening to this i do apologize but um uh, yeah, the people who are watching live, look at all the amazing cards. I should turn it around so you can actually see the cards themselves. So yeah, we've got a bunch here. Let's pick out a random one. Oh, there's um, Nick Leeson. Yeah, uh, who else have we got? Yeah, Billy McFarland. Yeah. Oh, he's back active again. He is. Oh my god. <laughs> he's, he's doing Fire Festival too. Who the fuck is buying tickets to that? Oh, he, They're only $500 this time starting out. And <laughs> then they're going to go to $7.99. <laughs> and you get your little wristband. So you can spend Two your cheese money. sandwiches. I swear, anyone who buys tickets to Fire Festival Two needs to be like, we need to put them on Sardinia, and hopefully they never leave, like we did with like fucking uh, Napoleon. Like, just, just put them somewhere <laughs> where they can't really get. Because like, no one's, no one should ever do any business with this man. He is extremely dangerous. Do not give this man your money. No, so, yeah. And also, yeah, quickly. Quick one thing. Also, I haven't pointed out the stats. I don't know if you can see that because it's quite dark. But yeah, we've got stats on there for like... Uh, yeah, you really can't see that because of the light. But criminality, deceit, incompetence, stupidity, and arrogance. 
So yeah, if you guys would like to get a hold of the um, Rogues Gallery, the History's Greatest Idiots Rogues Gallery card game, drop us a message on our social media, and I can ship this thing all over the world. So, there you go. International. Yeah, we can go international <laughs> with our card game. Uh, so yeah, uh, another thing for Toastside. Toastside, thank you for joining us again. Lev looks completely different with normal hair. Thank you so much for saying it's normal hair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my previous hair was not normal also i got like i've had a bunch of random people say stuff my uh, my racist neighbor was like back to the old old look you look so much better i'm like thanks um and everyone like i didn't tell anyone at work so then i went into a team meeting and um <laughs> they were like oh my god what the hell? And I was like, oh, what? what? What's the matter? What's wrong with you? Um, but the best one was um, a Monument Mythos fan saw a video I'd made where I was talking about a job advert I'd done recently. And they messaged me and they were like, you've, you've cut your hair? And I was like, yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago. And they were like, how do you... They were like, they said, don't take this the wrong way, but your hair, you've got the hair of a toddler. I was like, what What the fuck do you mean by that? And they're like, oh, because it's like, it's so healthy and it always looks decent. I'm like, thanks. So I have the hair of a toddler apparently well there um, you go <laughs> exactly bright eyes kimberly thank you so much for joining us in the stream it's so good to have you here our, our patron thank you so much um so talked about card games um and we've kind of decried the state of the housing market around the world um so we've got a bunch of really interesting stuff mine is going to be the most disturbing thing i think i've ever covered um and fascinating and It'll probably upset my wife, but um, <laughs> but uh, I, Derek, I'd love to hear about uh, your idiot this episode. Who have you got for us? Okay, well, it's been a while since I've covered a military meathead. Been um, a while, yeah, it has. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've got another uh, American Civil War general for you today. He's a a man that most historians are critical of and who during his life was so hated by his subordinates that they tried to kill him not once but twice. You think he the message after the first time? Yeah. You would it's think like John Snow. It's like get the <laughs> fuck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> he he didn't he didn't. Anyway, oh um <clears throat> this one's kind of a fun one uh because <laughs> Okay. The the idiot that I am, I was totally into history, and for some reason, I don't even remember learning about this dude. Oh, really? So, I learned something, and I feel like I really should have learned about this guy, and I probably did, so it just wandered off somewhere. Yeah. Where did you well, go to your schooling? It may depend on, like, which side of the... the like war he fought on like maybe they didn't want to cover him because it was too embarrassing uh well i went to i went to like high school and college in arizona so, uh okay so they were yeah. part of the yeah, they weren't the, the, they weren't uh, even in on it i don't think no, they were, they were. They were just like, 1918 just a bunch of people living in the desert so. <laughs> <laughs> um so we'll dive into it here he was born in warrington north carolina on the 22nd of march 1817 he was one of six sons of a successful carpenter named Thomas Bragg, who was the cousin to future Union General Edward Bragg. Who? Oh, right. Fort Bragg is actually. I was going to say Fort Edward. Bragg. Yeah, that's where I'm. I'm thinking the name comes in. Yeah. This guy is also a Bragg, not the one the fort is named after. Although the fort is in Georgia, and that's in the South. 
but they chose the, you know, anyway, this guy's name is Braxton. Braxton Ooh. Bragg. Braxton <clears throat> Bragg. That sounds like a fictional, that sounds like a Marvel character. It's a badass <laughs> name. It dumb is a pretty general. badass name. Yeah. <laughs> For a dumb idiot. Well, when Braxton was 10 years old, his father made the decision that he was going to have a career in the military and he was dead set on getting him into the military academy from, from 10 years old. Right. That Luckily, always works out great when your parents make a decision about your future career for you. Oh, always. That never goes wrong. Never. <laughs> uh, luckily, his dad did really well as a carpenter and a contractor, and he had connections so he could send his son to one of the best schools in the state. While oh, also, his oldest son, John Bragg, got himself elected as a state legislator so he could go ahead and get that done for his little brother, Oh, wow. And they went ahead and admitted Braxton to West Point at the age of 16. It sounds like the Bushes right now. A little bit, like huh? A bunch of people helping each other out and fucking the system over. Uh, great joke by Tostoy. Does he get bragging rights at the end of the story? Womp, womp. Nice. <laughs> Tip your waitresses. He's here. Right now. Um, yeah. now, maybe favoritism, maybe whatever. Mm. But he graduated fifth in his class of 50 in 1837 so he had some stuff going on in his head top 10 percent. that's not bad no uh he was commissioned a second lieutenant in the third u.s artillery and served in the second seminole war in florida sort of he he started started out as a commissary officer and then as a regimental adjunct so he was away from combat but he started getting sick and he blamed it on the tropical climate so we could get transferred back to Philadelphia. Yeah. Which they did. Um, good old nepotism. Good Correct. old nepotism. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, he, he was a disciplinarian and he was right. like a real stickler for the rules. He was so anal and uptight that there's even a story from Ulysses S. Grant in his memoirs where he's talking about Braxton serving as a quartermaster while also at the same time the company commander for a company, and he ended up arguing with himself. Oh, fucking hell. The the story goes that Braxton Bragg submitted a requisition for supplies for his company, and then as quartermaster, he declined to fill it. As the commander, he resubmitted the requisition, giving additional reasons and requirements, and then as the quartermaster, he again denied the request for being incorrect. Realizing oh. he was at a, a personal impasse, he referred the matter to the post commandant who said, quote, my God, Mr. Bragg, you've quarreled with every officer in the army and now you're quarreling with yourself. And that I, I sometimes I, <laughs> I struggle to believe when I hear these things are true. But given what I'm going to say later on, then I not only believe this, but it makes him sound like the dumbest fucker on the planet at this point. Like, why would you do that? What are you doing? Are you getting paid per letter that you send or something? Like, what the I, fuck? I was trying to wrap my head around it because I'm like, wait, this as I'm like trying to re re put the story together. Like, yeah. This doesn't make any sense. It does. He had to have been doing the paperwork wrong or something. It, yeah, it sounds like we're high right now. <laughs> but we're, we're just making it up on the spot because we've dropped acid, but we're not. And that's how insane history is. Great point by Tostoid. It's like a dog barking at its own shadow. It's just, I, like, yeah, stupid people aren't exactly a new thing. Good point. 
but yeah, why would you? I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. Look, I, I know about being a stickler. Like my grandfather was a, a lecturer in mathematics in university, and he was so stingy for points that if he didn't think something was worth a half point, he'd give a quarter point, which oh. is like a whole other level of like, no, you don't deserve a half point for that. I'll give you a quarter point. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong? But yeah, like arguing with yourself through various letters, you're just slowing the process down at this point. My God, man. Which could be one of the reasons why he was so hate. We'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the type this Braxton Bragg is. And it might not surprise you that some of his own troops attempted to assassinate him on two occasions in August and September of 1847. Both oh, times. Sorry, August and September. So right after one followed immediately by another. Yes. In the more serious of the two incidents, one of his soldiers exploded a 12-pound artillery shell underneath his cot. Holy shit! And he and lived? All, all, yeah, although the, the cot was destroyed, somehow Bragg himself emerged without a scratch. And Bragg had suspicions about the perpetrator's identity, but didn't have uh, enough evidence to bring charges on him. Well, no, because it was all fucking exploded, so... And later, the army deserter named Samuel R. Church claimed responsibility for the attack. But from what I was able to tell in researching it, there's been no verified historical evidence that any of his men tried to kill him. Mm. But it does go towards the type of guy that he was that it's out there in people's memoirs from the time that his people tried to kill him multiple times. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'm starting to think... Like the story about him arguing with himself and the fact that someone tried to kill him twice and he lived. Like, we're getting to the point now where I'm like, is this propaganda against this guy? Like, is this true? Or are we going off the word of someone who fucking hated this guy? You know? There's a bunch of people that hated him. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's likely some of that ain't true. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Multiple stories that wow. co- corroborate without any evidence. I mean, like in, in the military as well, particularly in the US military, which is obviously very hierarchical, disobeying your commanding officer is a big deal. But trying to assassinate them twice? Like, how bad was this guy? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. He's, we'll jump into it here. Yeah. So there's rebo- reports from both subordinate officers and regular soldiers under his command that, that hated him so much that they refused to follow his orders and a private named Sam Watkins said in his memoirs, none of Bragg's soldiers ever loved him. They had no faith in his ability as a general and he was looked upon as a merciless tyrant. He loved to crush the spirit of his men. Wow. That's a quote. Oh dear. Um, it's also said that Bra- uh, Braxton Bragg is, uh, had an uncanny ability to turn minor wins and losses into strategic defeats and most of his battle ended in defeats because of his insistence on direct frontal attacks oh what he's one of these fucking idiots is he's like charging in all guns blazing sort of thing yeah and he had even his successes weren't really super successful he had he had one that was okay but Mm. Anyway, he caught himself some attention um, when he published a series of articles in the Southern Literary Messenger called Notes on Our Army. Mm. He did so anonymously because you wouldn't really want to post these uh, articles that are critical of the general-in-chief 
Winfield Scott and the United States Army while you're actively serving. But in these letters, he calls Winfield Scott vain, petty, conniving. And um, he's also critical of other things like the Army's administrative policies and most of its officers. Okay. So So while those letters are coming out in this publication and he's on leave in Washington, D.C., they call him in to testify before the House Committee on Public Expenditures, and Winfield Scott orders him not to testify. And when he showed up at Fort Monroe, he was arrested in Virginia, where he was court-martialed for disobeying orders and disrespecting his superior officers. But he really just kind of got a slap on the wrist, and he mm. moved on to the Mexican-American War. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like we hate you but we need you and there's nobody else that can do it also you're probably connected so you get away with it yeah wow Genghis Khan was right it really should be on merit Um, (laughs) (laughs) great joke by Toastazoid here it's the same way in a healthy sex life don't immediately go to the front with all your might Um, (laughs) fun fact an, an ancestor of mine actually met Winfield Scott during the pig war fiasco I, I don't even know what that is. I don't Sound, either. That sounds like a conflict that ended abruptly in a barn somewhere. Um, it sounds like a fiasco. Animal farm, maybe. Um, holy shit! Yeah, um, yeah. He's he's really bad at everything. Like the full frontal attack thing. I was going to say because obviously, like Stonewall Jackson got like quite a reputation in the Civil War for like being a successful yet incredibly aggressive commander and stuff and like he didn't mind the odd like full frontal attack slash nudity um (laughs) attack but usually while they were screaming and stuff but he was really good at it and this is the interesting thing about the confederate army is that they had a really good generals but they just didn't have the manpower that the north did so they they were never really gonna win but do you think that was because it was such a popular tactic and it had worked for Stonewall Jackson? Do you think this guy was like, oh, I'm just going to do that all the time? Maybe. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. It could be because he was like a stickler for the rules and that's the way sure. that they taught him in the book and he's not going off book, damn it. Yeah. Like, surely military tacticians and stuff should, like, the tactics of war should be taught, right? Instead of you just go in full, full force straight down the line. Like, surely flanking and you know, fighting the enemy where they aren't, Sun Tzu's the art of war. Maybe surely that should be part of your training as well, but apparently not. I don't know. He went to West Point. It should have been in there somewhere, I imagine. It should have been, yeah. Anyway, that's really interesting. He sounds completely useless. Pretty much. <laughs> Here's where he gets one right. During the summer of 1845, they instructed Braxton and his artillery company to go down and assist General Zachary Taylor in defending Texas against Mexico. Right. This time, he won his promotions for bravery and distinguished conduct, including a brevet promotion to captain for the Battle of Fort Brown in May 1846, and then to major for the Battle of Monterey in September of 1846, and to lieutenant colonel for the Battle of Buena Vista in February 1847. Oh, wow. Then in June 1846, they promoted... uh, Wait, this is going backwards. When they promoted him to captain with the regular army... um, it was his expertise and discipline for drill with his troops, along with his pioneering artillery tactics that made him a highly respected figure. 
okay. professionally, not personally. Um, his men still hated him, but Taylor started to like him. Mm. Shortly after his giant promotions and all of that stuff, he hung up his army boots and spurs to buy a sugar plantation in Louisiana in January uh, of 1856. Okay. So this is and, right before the Civil War. Yeah. wonder what's happening at that plantation. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So he buys this plantation in Louisiana because when you've had a taste of military fame, the logical next step is clearly sugar production. Yeah. Wow. Um, with use of slavery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his he, his father and his wife were both slave owners, and he himself was never opposed to slavery in concept, and actually <laughs> used 105 enslaved African Americans on his property. Ugh. So he continued to uphold his reputation as a stern disciplinarian and advocate for ruthless efficiency as a plantation owner, Ugh. and. Despite a large mortgage on his property, his methods resulted in almost immediate profitability because slaves. S- slaves, capitalism, driving people to near death. Yeah, that always works out for one or two people, just not everyone else, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, right before the Civil War kicked off, he started getting involved with the Louisiana militia, serving mm. as a, a colonel. And then when things kind of got serious on January 11th, 1861, he led a group of 500 volunteers to Baton Rouge, where they persuaded the commander of the federal arsenal there to surrender. Oh, the state convention on succession also established a state army. And then Governor Thomas O. Moore appointed Bragg as its commander with the rank of major general on February 20th, 1861. Wow. Okay, so he's gotten out somehow with his reputation intact, made a hell of a money thanks to driving slaves to near-death conditions, and then just wormed his way back into the army and got a promotion. Mm-hmm. That's oof. This guy's failing upwards really yep. quite well. For sure. From yeah. there, and through the early part of the war, Braxton assumed command, uh, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit everywhere, and kind of like a, a, a perpetual game of musical chairs is what he sure. did. Yeah. He eventually commanded uh, a corps of troops at the Battle of Shiloh, where some shit went down. And mm. he received some public praise for his conduct in the, the battle. Uh, I wow. couldn't really fit it all in. Uh, on the 12th of April, 1862, Jefferson Davis appointed Bragg a full general. One of only seven in the history of the Confederacy, which made me go, fuck, I should have probably learned about this guy. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of weird that you you didn't. But I guess like there's so much to cover in the Civil War that it's very difficult to cover every single person. I I feel like I had to have. Right. I had to have learned about him. But anyway, um, so there's this reoccurring theme in Braxton's career. He's got partial victories, uh, a knack of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> and <laughs> in Perryville, the second battle of Fort Fisher, the battle of uh, Bentonville, the second battle of Kinston, you named it. He achieved it. If by it, you mean not quite winning. Right. Um, <laughs> all of those were losses. Uh, uh, General estimations point to around 10 major battles where his forces experienced defeat. 
compared to his kind of sort of maybe five victories. That's not a good average. Uh Some of those were just kind of there. He was just there and he kind of did some sort of generaling. Yeah, he was at the battle, so they gave him the win. I don't know. It's the kind of average that would get you sent out to the miners. Like you, you are not ready yet. You know, oh no, yeah. Keep you back down there for a few more years, but he's a general in the army, so he's probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what truly set him apart, though, was not um, his unfortunate non-successes uh, or his people skills or his <laughs> argumentative personality. Yeah. Um, no, no, it was. Uh, he was pissing people off left and right, and they wanted him out of generaling. Right. But there was one person that kind of kept the Braxton Bragg show running, and that was mm-hmm. Jefferson Davis that was loyal till the end. Although some historians don't actually think that they were friends until after the war. Interesting. Do you, do you, I wonder if he was like, and a part of me thinks... Uh, this could be the case. A good point by Kimberly. Literally number two in a two-man fight. Um, <laughs> a, a part of me, Je- Jeffy Dave. Part of me wonders if um, he was kept around purely because he made himself look so bad that by the time the war would end, he was going to get disciplined or kicked out one way or the other. So I'm just wondering if Jefferson Davis was like, "This guy is so bad that if I keep him." in this position, losing battles, then eventually he'll just be humiliated when the end of the war comes around. Maybe you would hope you would hope. (laughs) So Jefferson Davis is keeping him around. Um, They weren't really friends during Mm -hmm. the war. Actually, he just respected him and liked him, even though they were bitterly quarreling because of earlier shenanigans by Braxton Bragg being a dick. Um, (laughs) Yeah. At West Point. Yeah. Uh, again and again, the other officers and generals were calling for his removal, and yet he remained. Even at the end, he was kind of trying to get himself fired. But wow. the real cool stuff came at the, the battles for Chattanooga, where Braxton he, was defeated. Mm-hmm. And Shocker. that finally convinced Jefferson Davis to let him resign. <sighs> let him resign. <laughs> yeah. But it still wasn't over because he stuck around like that last weird dude at a party that just won't leave. That's me. I'm that guy. (laughs) And the guy's like, where's the food? They must be hiding the food somewhere. There must be some left. Yeah. Where's that last slice of pizza? Um, He served as a military advisor even after he resigned and made an appearance at the final Confederate cabinet meeting. Is that in um, Appomattox? Yep. He's there at the end. Holy shit. So he didn't he didn't even catch any shit. He didn't even wow. take any blame. They didn't like he just gets to anyway. After the war, he loses his home to the United States Army. They confiscated it. Yeah. Um he shifted from battlefield strategies to life insurance. <laughs> and That's then amazing. That's the best career pivot I've ever heard in my life. Dude, this guy's all over the place. Military, sugar plantations, life insurance. Then he, yeah. Then he goes on to railroad inspections. Um, just, Man. just weird. Um, yeah. On September twenty seventh, eighteen seventy six, at the age of fifty nine, Braxton Bragg was walking down the street with a friend in Galveston, Texas, where he suddenly fell over unconscious. They dragged him into a drugstore, where he died moments later, and wow. uh, that's the end of Braxton Bragg. 
one of America's worst generals. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's no <laughs> doubting. I mean, this guy was really shit um, at a time when the South was winning everything in the Civil War. Like at the start, it was just success after success. And he kept on losing. Maybe he was trying to keep the North in the fight. I don't know. It's it's a weird death. Like he just keels over in the street and then just like that's it. How old was he when he died? Fifty nine. Yeah, he's not an old man even for the time. So I'm just yeah. wondering if that was stress or strain or man, that is a, just a drop over in the street. Maybe it was an aneurysm or something. So. I think they said it was a like a heart attack. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, man, that was all that sugar. Yeah, it's all that that sugar and uh, the uh, exploitation of everyone around him. Yeah, he is an awful human being for a number of reasons. I mean, the slavery thing, obviously, that's a big mark against him, but he treated his own men in the army really badly to the point where they tried to kill him twice. Allegedly. And, yeah, and nobody <laughs> liked him except the most important person um, in, in the army. So... I thought you were going to say he bought the pharmacy. That would have been fucking hilarious. Like, oh, grabbing his left arm. If, oh my if god! He, <laughs> if you would have survived, buy this place. Yeah, it smells like <laughs> burnt toast in here. I'm going to buy this place. Um, yeah, wow. Um, that's it's such a weird life, really, to kind of do all the things he did and be as bad as he was. I feel like if he wasn't wealthy, he'd have been like wrung out of like just chased out of public life very quickly i think so but because he was rich and powerful and connected he stayed in a pit a level of incompetence for a long time so yeah that's wow i i, I mean i i think he's probably responsible for a lot of deaths right because he lost a lot of battles so yeah, twice as many as he won <sighs> that's crazy so his incompetence cost people their lives so I think for that and the fact that he was just not a nice guy to anyone by the sounds of it I think I'm going to go 87 that's fair with this guy with with Bragg what is Braxton Bragg what a fucking amazing name yeah uh, that's the only good thing about him is his name it's like you know you're writing a you're writing a detective story and you want your guy to sound like big and tough and it's either you know Jack Reacher or Braxton Bragg. So, yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's the only good thing about him is this weird ass fucking name. Wow. It's actually what I titled my article Worst yeah. General, Best Name. <laughs> Worst General, Best Name. That is a really interesting story. I love the Civil War stuff. I think it's partially as a result of uh, the documentary made by, uh, what's his name? Documentarian in the States who did like baseball and. Um, I'm so uh, bad at that. I'm so uh, bad yeah. at him, the maker of, of films. Uh, oh, God. He's got a really... It, he's got like a, a an actual camera move named after him. That's how famous he is. Um, mm. Ken Burns. There we go. Ah. Ken Burns. Ken Burns. I'm going to write uh, that down because he does a bunch of them. He does. <laughs> and they're all great as well. Like Prohibition, Baseball, Vietnam War. Uh, John Baseball? No, uh, Ken Burns is his name. Great documentarian, and the the one on the Civil War is excellent. Um, he did America and the Holocaust too, didn't he? He did, yeah. And he always gets like a list actors to read like the diary entries and uh, be like various people. Like it's really, really well made. He's kind of like the gold standard for 
long form documentaries. So yeah, I, I got into the Civil War as a result of him. I've never heard of this guy either. But man, there were there are some people in the Civil War that should probably not have been there, but they purely they were there purely because they had to be because like six hundred thousand people died during the Civil War or whatever. So yeah, yeah, I, it's a yeah. I I I was happy to learn on this one, and honestly. If there hadn't been multiple sources that I was wandering through, I would have just thought it was a made-up Wikipedia page. It feels like it. Like this, <laughs> this feels like one of those like April Fools things that kind of gets a little bit out of hand and people embellish on it. Like after a while, but yeah, man, what a what a weird guy and what a terrible general. Yeah, that's definitely one of America's worst generals. Behind, um, I was gonna say. Um, uh benedict arnold but he was actually a good general like, yeah he won they just quite all over him yeah they just like they tarnished his reputation like he was actually a really good general and actually quite loyal to the united states until a specific point where he got fucked over so yeah ego, ego get you ego yeah. get you yeah you gotta <laughs> if you've got enemies that have got the power of like being able to write stuff down and create your legacy then you're in real trouble um, speaking of enemies, powerful enemies that can change your legacy, that is really specific. Uh, sorry, there's a thing from Toastoid here. And he was also involved in the pig incident. Uh, yeah, you Toastoid, you're going to have to tell me about that. I, I do not know what the pig incident is. I just know that hope it's not the David Cameron fucking a dead pig's mouth <laughs> thing. But it, uh, hopefully not. So um, let me move on to now a another similar situation where powerful enemies and friends can have like a huge influence over your life if you're not very careful um i i've just realized now that i can't even give you the title of this the specific title because it'll give away what happens and i kind of want you to be surprised and unless you already know what's going to happen when i start giving you the details but i want to talk to you about a situation when it becomes scary to be a christian because the figurehead is insane the religious the the figurehead of your religion is completely insane that's hmm. when it becomes really scary not like oh my god we're being thrown to the lions because we believe this carpenter was the son of god like it gets much worse as a christian at certain points in time so um the related events that i'm about to describe took place during a period of political instability in italy which is basically everything after the fall of rome up until the death of mussolini um yeah, um, this this period, <laughs> which lasted from the middle of the 9th century to the middle of the 10th century, was marked by a rapid succession of pontiffs, popes, between 872 and 965, so less than 100 years, that's like, what's that, 93 years, something like that, um, two dozen popes were appointed, two Ooh. dozen, meaning each pope lasted less than four years on average. Damn, so, was that pose. was that porn pope in there? That yeah, was I want to I want to cover that guy because there's a bunch of like there's a bunch of popes in history who have been crazy as fuck, but um, this one in particular, oh man, um, and between eight ninety six and nine oh four, there was a new pope every fucking year. So wow, yeah, it's like man. Uh, Everyone in Italy's getting a go at this point. Like, oh, you goat farmer, do you want to be Pope? All right, sure. Um, <laughs> it kind of goes out further about Italian history. Um, after the fall of Rome, 
becomes super like everything becomes like city states and within those city states you've got like powerful family a powerful family b you know you got like the medicis and all of these people who are just like clamoring for power in every single state they're in and then you've got like you know you've got the prince written by uh machiavelli and all of that stuff and they're all like politicians like oh i need this little bit of land you know we were powerful at one point i need my corner of the city so they're all fighting and that happens until like you know, Italy is freed from the clutches of dictatorship, really. You know, people trying to control regional portions of the country and it's finally unified. But from the fall of Rome in like, what was that, like three, four hundred AD until like the middle of the 1940s, like that is a long That's period a- of time of instability. Yeah, it is. And then, yeah. so like every year they get a new pope. Were they like doing uh, Who Wants to Be a Pope game show? And I would love it. Them. Yeah. <laughs> We've just murdered the last guy. Do you want to be the next pope? And then, you know, you've got a really angry English man going, That was terrible. You're not religious enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a giant buzzer over a 90 year old man, like, But I'm really pious. <laughs> no, fuck you. Um, often these uh, brief papal reigns were the result of political machinations of local Roman factions about which few sources survive because, like, they all destroyed each other. So there's no accurate documentation, really. But, I mean, it, we know about the Medicis and, like, them and their clamor for power and all of the other, like, weird families. Like, there's another one as well. The Haps, not the Habsburgs. Like, another family that were the subject of a, doc- a series of films and stuff. So, yeah, bunch of them. Basically, rich families looking to put their guy in charge. So they'll, like, find someone who's already in the church that's not qualified for the position and who has absolutely no interest in the position beyond the power it might bring them and then just putting them in charge thank you Tostoid. the bourgeois uh, uh-huh. the sorry the borgias sorry not the bourgeois that's that's just landlords um <laughs> the, the borgias yeah so basically rich families putting their guy in charge and they're usually shit at it so it's basically modern day stuff now uh did they do a gamescon reveal of each new pope that would have been awesome it's like todd on stage like from bethesda going hey you know we got we got a huge new map and here's the pope um so so, i want to talk to the subject of the most the the majority of this and i mean he's he's no saint ironic given he's the pope but um yeah he's certainly the victim in this situation formosus became bishop of porto santa rufina in 864, during the pontificate of Pope Nicholas I, Formosus was a native of Rome, born in 816. So he's in his late 40s when he became the Bishop of Porto Santa Rufina. So kind of old for, you know, pre-first millennia of Christianity, really. That's where it messes me up as I'm trying to figure. Is 40s old then. Right? Like late forties, that's kind of old, yeah. But I guess like he's a rich family, so they're like eating nothing but grapes. So and, like, like cheese 60 and then, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like late forties is like late sixties at this okay. point in time in terms of health and stuff. So in eight sixty-six he was sent as a legate to Bulgaria and was so successful in the position that the Bulgarian ruler Boris I asked the Pope to appoint him Archbishop of Bulgaria. Nicholas refused to give permission because the 15th canon 
of the Second Council of Nicaea. It's like a bunch of... (laughs) The the 18th Amendment, basically, of the Catholic Church. Um, Forbade a bishop from administering more than one see. So you have your own thing, you stay there, you administer that, you don't get to do multiples. Um, It was supposed to prevent bishops from building up their own little fiefdoms, but also I feel like the Pope is like jealous as fuck at this point because he's like he's he's really wild these bulgarians i can't let him go any further pope release day revealed yay (laughs) off life three um also he's yeah he's also traveled to constantinople and uh the carolingian court where he met arnulf of carinthia there we go uh, a frankish carolingian king who inspired uh, aspired to the throne of Italy, and that's going to come back because he's basically going to try and make him the king of Italy. Um, so he's like quite well travelled. Is Formosus in eight seventy five? Shortly after Charles the Bald's imperial coronation, we need to bring those back. Yeah. We need to just start like naming Donald the terrible. Yeah, like this guy, the jerkass. I don't know. Yeah, and it's it's great, <laughs> and, and I guarantee nobody called him that to his face but charles the bald what a fucking great name for a king <laughs> like nothing about like his reign or the things he built the battles he won no i was just like oh receding hairline fuck this guy um <laughs> so shortly after charles the bald's imperial coronation formosus fled rome in fear of then pope john the eighth um so i want to give you a little bit of background about charles the bald also known as charles the second uh, was a ninth century king of West Francia, which is mostly modern day France, like the west part of France, a little bit in the middle was like Aquitaine and, and stuff like that. Um, and that was from 843 to 877, king of Italy from 875 to 877, and the emperor of the Carolingian Empire. 875 to 877, which was basically the Carolingian Empire, is basically all of France. All of Germany, all of Switzerland, the Netherlands, Luxembourg, and Belgium, uh, parts of very rough parts of like the top of Spain and northern the northern half of Italy. Um, so basically everything in Western Europe except for Spain, Portugal, and the British Isles was the huh. Carolingian Empire. It's quite a, big. Yeah, that's that's large. And yeah, that's it's like kind of Charles Texas the, and the surrounding states, really that big. Ch- Charles the second was Charles the Bald. Charles, Charles the Bald. <laughs> was he a Habsburg? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that Habsburgs are around at this point. Um, but he is like he he may have been. I could be completely wrong. But um, yeah, good point. He was Napoleon before it was cool to be short and assholeish. Uh, <laughs> so after a series of civil wars during the reign of his father Louis the Pious, Charles succeeded by the Treaty of Verdun, eight forty three, in acquiring the western third of the empire. He was a grandson of Charlemagne, so oh. pedigree there. Yeah, he's probably inbred. Yeah, so that he, so he's not a Habsburg, but he's like descended from Charlemagne, which is quite something, and the youngest son of Louis the Pious uh, by his second wife, Judith. Um, So now back to Formosus, who's fled Rome because the bald fuck is after him. Gotcha. Uh, A few months later, in 876, at a synod in Santa Maria Rotunda, John VIII, the Pope, issued a series of accusations against Formosus and some of his associates, because each little pope's got his own crew, They've got their own little group of friends. 
Yeah, their own gang. They're all passing. you claiming? He asserted that Formosus had corrupted the mind of the Bulgarians. That's quite an accusation to make. Like he went there and they were happy with him. Therefore, he's corrupted their minds. Yeah, seems legit. Yeah, that's how that works. He brought them special cheeses and they just fell in love with this fucker. (laughs) He put Um, them all on shrooms. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) let's try mixing this with grapes. Oh my god, this guy's a fucking genius. Um, So that. Uh, as long as Formosus was alive, they would not accept any other bishop from the Apostolic See. So he was like, "They've bra- he's brainwashed these fuckers. They don't want anyone but him. Maybe because he did a good job. Who knows? Um, he also alleged that um, Formosus and his conspirators um, had attempted to usurp the papacy from John, which was a lie. Uh, <laughs> he was treating them well and they all loved him this must be witchcraft yeah exactly totally. yeah <laughs> uh, and finally that he had deserted his see in porto and was conspiring against the salvation of the state which is that's kind of an odd accusation he's a bishop and of uh our beloved charles the bald he didn't call him charles the bald he called him charles the uh, <laughs> second his big, we love his big bald heed. Uh, Paul Moses and his associates were excommunicated. That's like, that's the worst thing that you could do other than death at this point in the world. You know, kick them out so, of the church, huh? Kick them out of the church, not even allowed near a fucking church. And that's where everything happened back in this day and age. So, yeah. Anyway, in 879, at a council held at Troy, uh, Troyes, uh, sorry, in France, John may have come. Confirmed the excommunications. He also legislated more generally against those who plunder ecclesiastical goods. So that he was saying that they also stole shit from the church, which I, I don't know if that's the case. He did. Um, sorry, go on. Formica did, or Formosus? This... <laughs> Formosus, yeah. Uh, th- this is all stuff levied against Formosus and his crew. They've been excommunicated. They're like, they stole stuff. They made people like them and they were, they, they, they wanted to get rid of me. That's it's like George again. It's George Bush. It's like, they wanted to kill my dad. They were trying to kill my dad. Get the fuckers. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, poor old Formica. Um, (laughs) According to the, uh, the 10th century author, Auxilius of Naples, Formosus was also present at the council. Auxilius says he begged the bishops for their forgiveness and in return for the removal of the excommunication, swore an oath to remain a layman for the rest of his life. So just like working in a local church sort of thing. Okay. Um, to never again enter Rome and to make no attempts to resume his former see at Porto. This story is dubious. Another description of the Synod um, does not mention Formosus's presence and says instead that John confirmed his excommunication. I'm more inclined to believe that second one because like, it's one source that says, like, oh, he was there and he was begging and, like, oh, he was, he was offering to like, suck dick and everything like that just to get his life. But like, no, no, I don't. I think that's propaganda, to be honest. Um, anyway. After the death of John VIII in December 882, so he lasted about five years. Well done, John. Um, for, yeah, that was a good reign of that pope. Uh, Formosus' troubles ended. He resumed his bishopric at Porto. That's a funny word. Where yeah, he remained uh, until he was elected pope on the 6th of October 891. So this guy went from excommunication to like being pope in 15 years. Also, at this point, he was born in 816. He's been elected Pope at 891. 
this fucker's getting really old at this point. That's puts him at old, old (laughs) math says old. We're talking like uh, Mitch McConnell brain turning off old at this point. So, hey, to be fair, I feel like that happens to me sometimes, and it does hit in the head. It does, although I tend not to stare into space for minutes at a time, especially when someone's like. Excuse me, Senator. You you you're supposed to be concentrating right now. Uh, yeah, depends I, on the strain. I, I worry about that man. I think he's having like serious issues, and he needs to be taken it, care of. To be it honest, could be could be from a concussion. Didn't I think he had a fall? Yeah, he did have a fall. I just wonder if he's having like mini strokes because like that shit happens as well. From I feel like yeah. people that are that that old should probably not be doing such yeah. dangerous, difficult jobs. Maybe stop electing people that look like the Crypt Keeper to make really serious decisions about the rest of us. That's probably a good idea. Uh, Tessaloid with a good point from getting kicked out to wearing the big hat. Yes. Um, during his papacy, uh, which was like difficult, again, there's loads of like wars happening all around. Like this region of Italy's fighting this region of Italy, and this city's having a, an uprising here. Uh, Formosus had to manage the influence of local rulers, instigated a small civil war. Against um, <laughs> just, a little bitty one. just a tiny little civil war um, in Italy and had to contend with the Saracens who were like invading and killing. And son, look, Mitch McConnell's getting old. Uh, we might need to put old Mitch down. I don't, I don't kill the man, but maybe see. And apparently he's been past fit to serve. I don't think so. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, he's contending with the Saracens, he's instigating a small civil war. Uh, can't, trying to contend with local rulers and um, trying to help defend Lazio, which was being attacked by the Saracens and a bunch of other people as well. So, like in his short period as Pope, in the five years that he is Pope, there's a lot of stuff going around. Um, and on the fourth of April, eight ninety six, Formosus dies. Um, which I mean, he's old; he's yeah. like eighty at this point. So that that's fucking That's old for this time super old super old like he lived twice as long as he's probably supposed to at this point so i mean fair dues especially with the kind of life he's had where he's been like excommunicated and chased off and attacked the right people. Like, yeah man um he was succeeded by boniface boniface probably the sixth whose papacy lasted 15 days oh there yeah. you go that was a what he do <laughs> yeah he was a transitional champion like you know you just come in drop the belt to the next guy and then you can move on but man 15 days like bony face pretty much yeah i i don't know about italian it's a b-o-n-i face so boniface oh. or something like that probably but yeah it's bony face to me and you yeah um, but now let's get to the really weird shit he's just died his predecessors left 15 days and Did now we're like- on to Sorry, yeah, so he so the next guy, his predecessor, comes in and he's elected and he's walking around and then he like trips and falls off a cliff or what? I I didn't actually look into that. It just says his papacy lasted fifteen days. Maybe he just got chased out of town. He that fell down the stairs. That's what but I'm he, going with. Yeah, he fell down some <laughs> stairs. Uh, um, uh, now we get to the weird shit. He's dead. His predis- his successor has been chased off, and now we get to the the rain rain. Of Stephen the Sixth, who is the new Pope, um, he, he was strangled to death. Yeah, him and his bony face. Um, so under the pr- under pressure from Guy the Fourth, who was the guy who um, 
Formosus tried to uh, basically start a civil war against. He invited oh. in people to chase off Guy IV, and that didn't work. Guy invaded Rome, and that's when shit went south for our friend Formosus here. Anyway, under pressure from Guy IV, who'd been feuding with Formosus for years, Stephen VI, the new pope, ordered, here we go, that the corpse of his predecessor, Formosus, be removed from its tomb and brought to the papal court for judgment in January of 897, some eight months after he had died. They put a corpse on trial. Yeah. What uh, the hell? <laughs> so the uh, this comes from, and this is why I didn't want to mention it at the start, the title of this article, and it's actually a really well-made, uh, well-named thing, the Cadaver Senad. So it's a court for, it's a case against a corpse. Wow. They exhumed this poor fucker and put him on trial. And then what? Killed him oh. again? I... <laughs> <laughs> it gets it gets so much weirder. Um, with the corpse propped up on a throne, they put him back in his papal vestments. Oh my! Put hat back on him, robes, all of that. He still looked Strung healthier than some of the living popes, I guess. You saw weakened at uh, Bernie's. Yeah, it's that. It's that only with like rotting flesh, oh, like it was oh. rancid. Like this guy had like his eyes were gone at this point, so it was like a skeleton with some bits of rotting flesh still left on it, like disgusting. Oh. But um, Stephen wanted a fair trial, <laughs> so he of appointed a, for the corpse. So he appointed a deacon to answer for the deceased pontiff. <laughs> oh, Thankfully, boy. yeah. Thankfully, the the, uh, the deacon didn't like shove his hand up there and work him like a oh, puppet. Oh no, he didn't do that. Could you imagine? Guess oh, I didn't man. do this. Piece of shit, Stephen. Could you imagine? Uh, this isn't creepy at all. Totally normal behavior. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So um, yeah, Stephen's oh. gone kind of mad, and he's just become pope. Uh, Dude, bad just, Steve. That's bad Steve. For you, Mad right there. Steve. Mad Steve the Sixth. And his, <laughs> he just does not like those corpses. Uh, Formosus was accused of transmigrating seas. So, moving from one area to another when you're not supposed to do that, in violation of canon law of uh, perjury, which uh, I think this guy's kind of mad, and of serving as a bishop while actually a layman, uh, which, because like he. They they said that he was reduced to a layman and then he came back as a bishop, but actually that probably never happened. So that's like hearsay. You can dismiss that. But you know, his lawyer's probably also dead. So I don't imagine he's got the best representation at this point. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. He's probably uh, uh, quite quiet. He's probably not saying much. Um <laughs> I'd like to defend myself. <laughs> I want you to fire my lawyer. This is a corpse being managed by a deacon. No, I must sound mind. Um, <laughs> holding two positions in the church was illegal at the time. Yeah, um, that's funny. Uh, while Stephen hurled accusations at Formosus, the accused remained stoically silent, as one might expect of a corpse. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's, <laughs> that's what was written in this article. Like He was so stoic because he's dead. Um, in the words of the historian George Ives, the old man's body, like a monstrous doll, might nod and bend while the attendants supported it, or collapse in a ghastly bundle if they left it alone. It made no sound, and the deacon would probably be wary in his defense, 
for there were dark holes nearby other than sepulchers, which is his way of saying this deacon did not want to go to didn't want want to go to hell. So he was like, I'm not saying anything. Dude, uh, you yeah. said wary. The deacon was wary. And for a yeah. second, I thought you said we're wary. going to say that he was going to wear him. Yeah. La, 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 la. <laughs> it's uh, become Hannibal Lecter now. It's oh, like, my God. It's, it's face. This um, is messed up. This worst is yet to come. Um, <laughs> in the middle, if you can believe it, this corpse is uh, now on trial. But in the middle of the trial, an earthquake shook the room which freaked everyone out yeah it would. Um, i mean there's a lot of seismic activity in italy anyway like if they i mean you talk about pompeii and stuff but um they have one of the big problems in italy is regular mudslides because it's a very mountainous country and there's a lot of like villages and towns built on these like rock faces and, and mountainsides and they just have massive avalanches of mud when there's like a long rainy season or like seismic activity and it just wipes out towns it's crazy so it's pretty cities till they slide off oh yeah they're, they're gorgeous until you like cover them in lava or or mud or or i don't know vespers or something like that <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah um a lot of people took this as a clear sign of god um but you know, uh, a lot of people say that it might have been embellished by commentators. So a lot of this is like hearsay. The only thing we know that that happened for sure is that this crazy fucker put a corpse on trial. That's all we know for certain. And that's all we need to know, really. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the big G is the kind of person that just likes to fuck with people. I mean, maybe. Who are we to say? He's letting a corpse get like puppeted around eventually the corpse was found guilty i would be really surprised if they were like well you've made a compelling argument sir um so you're free um, to go yeah you're free to go yeah why aren't you leaving uh liet <laughs> prand of cremola uh who's a historian and other sources say that after having the corpse stripped of its papal vestments because again remember they dressed this fucking thing up um steven then cut off the three fingers of the right hand that it had used in life for blessings, next formally invalidating all of Formosus's acts and ordination, ordinations, including his ordination of Stephen as a bishop of Anag Anagni. So the Pope invalidated his own bishophood because he was so angry. <laughs> Wow, so, and he cut off his popey fingers. Cut off three of his fingers. Although, really, at that point, you can just pull them off, right? I mean, what's stopping them from? Yeah, you know, they like just they're rotting. Snap them. Yeah, really? just like leave it for a few days. The dogs will probably get it. To be honest with you, um, yeah. The body was finally interned in a graveyard for foreigners, which was seen as like a mark of massive disrespect. Like, oh, they put a pope in a, a foreigner's graveyard. That's really bad. But it gets worse. Uh, they dug the fucking thing up, tied it to weights, and threw it in the river. Wow. So, yeah. Um, I, it just it feels like I understand that they're like trying to save face. Sort of like, well, we were respectful. We dis we disrobed him, we cut off a bunch of his fingers, and then we buried him so that he can be at peace. But actually they didn't. They buried him, and in the middle of the night, they dug him back up again and threw him in the fucking river. So they just can't leave this guy be. I know. Um, this poor dead man. <laughs> hey, Jesus, get over here. They're putting a corpse on trial. Watch this. I'm going to quake their asses. Yeah, uh, that, that feels like what happened. It seems like a lot of extra effort as well. Like 
you've buried this guy like okay he's at peace and then you go back and dig him up and chuck him in the river just throw him in the river like i don't think anyone's gonna hold that against you at this point right really. or bury a box and throw him in the river like why are you gonna dig it yeah. back up why are you like that's just work for people at that point right you're just I mean, making they put a corpse on trial they it didn't have cool. much going on yeah, we're beyond the realms of sanit- uh, sane thinking at this point, really, aren't we? Uh, so according to Liet Prand, Stephen VI said, when you were Bishop of Porto, why did you usurp the universal see in such a uh, spirit of ambition? And the courts replied, kiss my fucking ass." No, I uh, didn't say that. <laughs> but yeah, that, those were some of the questions he was throwing at him. Like, why did you do this? Or, not got much to say for yourself now, have you, you big fucking chicken shit? <laughs> It's just, it's so surreal that if somebody put this in a play or a film, oh, like the Catholic Church will be up in arms because this will be so offensive. Like, how no Pope would ever do something this. This is so offensive to our religion. Actually, this shit happened about 1,000 years ago. So, I'm, gonna, I'm writing this one. I already wrote down the title Mad Stephen the Zombie Pope. Mad Stephen the Zombie Pope. Well, no, he wasn't the Pope. It was the, the, the zombie pope was formosus and he wasn't mad he was like quite chill about the whole thing it's stephen who's angry as fuck at this zombie so yeah it's it's the story of mad steve and the zombie because he wasn't a zombie pope until mad steve got involved yeah exactly he was just happy chilling in the ground it'd be all about this trial and digging him up and burying him and digging him up and burying him him in in the river river. do you want to swim um (laughs) it's gonna have to be one of those billy big mouth basses that sings oh yeah Yeah, exactly <laughs> Can you imagine if they're like moving the head around and trying to get to speak? Anyway, we're getting <laughs> we're becoming less sane with every passing minute of this story. That's how crazy this shit is. Um, the trial was a clear abuse of power by Pope Stephen VI, who used the trial as a means of punishing his predecessor, Mo- Formosus, and consolidating his own power within the church. So basically, he was kind of forced to do this, but also he used it as an opportunity to go, if you think you're let, if I'll let you get away with anything, look what I did to a corpse. Do you see how mad I am? Like, you fuck with me, I will cut off your fingers and throw you in a river while you're alive. I did it to a fucking corpse. I'm crazy. Yeah. It seems valid. I wouldn't mess with him. <laughs> That's a good point. Did the did the deacon make the corpse sound like skeletal? It <laughs> 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 was more penguin, actually, but yeah. I didn't do that. What are you talking about? Uh, the trial was a clear abuse of power. The desecration of Formosus's body was uh, an egregious violation of the dignity of the papal office and the basic principles of Christian charity and respect for the dead. I mean, yeah, respect for the yeah. dead. This is like the, the top person in the whole church of millions of people has just done this and also publicized it. Like it, the word spread very quickly about this trial. Um, the scandal of the cadaver synod. Um, caused a great deal of controversy and undermined the moral authority of the Catholic Church. And no shit. That plus the massive like succession of popes before this who were all getting offed by one another. Like, yeah, that, that's not going to help. Um, yeah. Stephen's run of bad luck continues, though, because I can't, this story just gets weirder and weirder. Formosus's body washes up on the banks of the Tiber. <laughs> <laughs> So they waited it. They threw it in the river, and he's like fucking coming out of the water like the fucking Terminator. Uh, um, and rumor said it began performing miracles. Um, oh look, really? yeah, a crab crawled out of its mouth. That's a fucking miracle. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can you imagine a public uprising 
soon followed in Rome. People were like, okay, we've had enough of this shit. We've had multiple of you idiots telling us what to do, and one of you just put a corpse on trial. We've had enough. So public uprising. Um, they deposed and imprisoned Stephen. Uh, he was strangled to death in prison in July or August of 897. They're like, put him in prison. And now what do we do? Put him on trial after. Put him on, yeah, yeah. Just kill him so we can put him on trial and then chuck him in the river. Um, <laughs> in December 897, Pope Theodore convened a synod that annulled the cadaver synod, rehabilitating Formosus, and ordered that his body, which hopefully was somewhere dry now, um, which had been recovered from the Tiber, be reburied in St. Peter's Basilica in the pontifical vestments. So they found his vestments. They put him in the uh, the kind of the central place of the religion. Um, yeah. So what's this? It says here, a toastoid. It washed up on the banks of the river, stood up, shook its fists at the sky, and screamed, damn you, He-Man! Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so in 898, the next pope, because Pope Theodore lasted a year, Pope John the Ninth, who lasted two years, also nullified the cadaver synod, convening one synod in Rome and another in Ravenna. The two synods, which affirmed the findings of Theodore the Second synod, ordered the actor of the cadaver synod destroyed, so wipe it from the face of the earth. Uh, excommunicated seven cardinals involved in the actual trial, and prohibited any future trial of a corpse. Not, I didn't think that was the kind of rule we needed to make. Yeah, that's really? one of those ones where it's like, I didn't know we were going to have to write this down, but you sons of bitches did it. I got to yeah, write it down. Can you stop fucking with the dead, please? Can we just leave them alone? I mean, yeah, you can talk about, don't talk ill of the dead. Maybe they've done some bad shit, but don't dig up their bodies. What the fuck is wrong with you? Oh. However, it gets weirder. Pope um, Sergius III, yes, there were two Sergiuses before this guy, um, <laughs> who lasted, get this, seven years as Pope. Oh. Like, that is, that's a dynasty right there. Like, that's fucking Jordan and the Bulls right there. My God. Um, who was bishop, uh, who was a bishop who had taken part in the cadaver synod. Um, I was also a co-judge in that. He's like, oh, look at this corpse. Uh, overturned the rulings of Theodore II and John IX, reaffirming Formosus' conviction and had a laudatory uh, epitaph inscribed on the tomb of Stephen. So, like, oh, he was really good. Like, the thing with the courts was pretty messed up. He was a good pope. You know, I quite liked him. He let me sit in a chair. Um, so, just back and forth. Yeah. Just back and forth. The church kind of isn't. There's a lot of. Because there have been a lot of popes. There have been a lot of popes. Like, there's like nine Ignatiuses. That's how many fucking popes there have been. There have been nine popes named Ignatius. So, you've got a lot of people on that. And. Yeah, your batting average is pretty good. Most of them were decent. They wanted to help the poor and stuff, but a lot of them also wanted power. A lot of them wanted money. Some of them were pornographic, and some of them were children. And yeah, and then there's this fucker, Stephen, that the dug up a corpse and put it on trial. So that's the uh, Cadaver Synod and Pope Stephen VI, who tried his predecessor's corpse and then cut off its fingers and took off its clothes and threw it in the fucking river. That's, That's mad. 
for real. Did did they call him Mad Stephen? The Pope Mad Stephen? Nothing there except Stephen the Sixth. I think uh-huh. they probably would have done at the time, but I think they've kind of reverted it to Stephen the Sixth so that people don't go around going, "Oh yeah, there was a Pope who was called the Mad Mad Pope or something." Right? We should probably look into this guy, and then like it probably knocks the credibility of the Catholic Church amongst other things that have done that. But um, yeah, this is one of the most weird. And like, I, I'm really pleased that the people of Rome, even in like the ninth century, were like, "What the fuck are you doing? We are <laughs> put, like, you've done this now. Great, you had your fun. You fucked around with a corpse. Now we're going to kill you." So like, they they basically um, he thought this was going to be a huge success. He thought it was going to like, oh my god, they like I'm going to rule forever because no one's going to fuck with me and everyone's going to respect me for this. Like, how stupid are you to think this would ever work? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And the thing that I was trying to like when you were reading it, they cut off his three fingers. So I was thinking, like that's that's the popey blessing fingers, right? That's it. Yeah, when you do that that business. Yeah. Oh, so uh, just in case he was gonna bless people as a corpse, take yeah, his well, fingers because he came back and performed miracles. So well, it's a miracle because yeah. they buried him and he showed up in a river. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the miracle. Right <laughs> <laughs> swam to land <laughs> your mistake i can yeah. still swim uh so man what do you make of the i mean probably the most grotesque trial in history because this thing was rotting and stank to high heaven oh. so and <clears throat> was it in the summer yeah oh my god oh no wait sorry no it was january so oh, a little better a little mean... little bit better yeah it's like cold outside so at least the stink's not going to carry you know it's still so wrong like <laughs> uh kimberly wow just exactly wow. Yeah. like how do you really even begin to process this because obvious obviously you look back through human history and we've done this with like much older like historical figures like genghis khan murdering millions of people doing horrible stuff vlad tepes sticking people's bodies on spikes through the bum bum like that was his favorite thing but a pope dug up his predecessor and started shouting at it. Yeah. Like, wow. You know we what? Bernie is get paper money. That's there you go. <laughs> oh man. I don't even know. Like just because of the time, I just yeah. I'm gonna go. They were really, really weird back they then. They were weird. And they Although, had a lot of power. To be fair. Looking at us now, I don't think we're any different. We are weird and crazy and now just a lot more comfortable with cooler technology, basically. I don't. I think that somebody, if you let them, would dig up a body and put it on trial. I'm sure there's somebody out there that would do it. I feel like, okay, let's say this is a weird scenario to pose, but let's say Biden passes away and uh it's just on the eve of the election and trump gets into office and like i feel like trump is the kind of guy that might do that (laughs) that might like or do an epitaph it reminds me or do like a a trial with like a dummy or something do you remember a a while ago at a republican convention they had um clint eastwood on stage and he was like talking to an empty chair that in his mind had barack obama in it and he was like running down this chair and a lot of like political commentators were watching it because he's like doing this whole play on stage at this convention going oh 
Yeah. You think you're really cool, do you? Well, I'm Clint Eastwood, and you're just Barack Obama, and it's just an empty chair that he's talking mm. to. And a lot of political commentators were like, this crazy old man has finally lost it. But like, <laughs> that's nothing compared to this. So I, I think you're right. I think something like this will probably still happen, really. If, if, if we let him. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> God, Ladies and gentlemen in the Middle Ages. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So I don't even know how to rate this. No, I mean, like, it, it, I guess it's the kind of thing where our usual rules of like rating things. He didn't kill anyone. Um, but, and he was like, it's really more of a, a power thing. I think like he's gone insane with power, Stephen. Yeah. And so arrogant that, and so deluded that he thought that this would make him powerful but actually got him killed within like a few months so I, I think yeah and i think because he got himself killed by digging up and making a zombie pope trial yeah um he did. just because the story was so good he gets in in 85 <laughs> it's, i i wanted to because I've, I've read i've read about this a while ago along with like the the pornographic pope who you talked about and um like this, this is like fourteen-year-old who was pope as well. That was kind of mad, but um, yeah, I, I had this at the back of my mind, and there were a bunch of people I was thinking of covering. I was actually going to talk about Set Blatter, but who was the former chief, ex- the former head of FIFA, but oh. um, Set Blatter is the slipperiest motherfucker in the world, and he's also super litigious. So oh. I, I didn't want to try that, like despite the various constant accusations of corruption, I was like, well, nah. And then I was like, oh, corruption. What can, what can I do around corruption? Oh, yeah, a Pope who put another one on trial even after they were dead. Let's go with that one. Yeah, um, it's a weird point in history, but, um, you know, we're Good still story. like... Yeah, we're still <laughs> 500 years away from the Renaissance. So, ironically digging up the body the best thing they could have done in that scenario was to actually study the skeleton instead of like putting it on trial like you'd have understood so much more about the human body and and the way to treat things if you'd actually just examined the corpse instead they were just fucking around with it and chopping its fingers off wasted opportunities it really was um so yeah thank you for an 85 for uh stephen the sixth uh the pope who dug up his predecessor and put it on trial i cannot believe that's a thing that happened in human history. So stupid. I just realized how wrong or half fitting my shirt is that I'm wearing today. Oh yeah, is it? Is it quite? Was I take? I um, I've Should ordered put a, that shirt. Yeah. Put him in like it. What we can't find his vestments. Uh, what have we got lying around? We've got a Mighty Ducks shirt. Yeah, just put that on him. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> like, we got one of those one of those hats with like beer slots on the side. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> nice. It, it just um, the idea that they got who had to dress that corpse up. Oh God, what a job! Yeah, yeah, you know, Deacon, you, you. Oh, I'm already acting on his behalf. Do I have to dress him as well? Um, oh man, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's Pope Stephen the Sixth who put a corpse on trial. And then we got Braxton Bragg. Was that his name? Mm-hmm. I, I remember that one. The one of the worst generals in American history. So uh, I do like the military stuff. Um, I should probably do more British military stuff because we've had some weird fucking people. Um, I also want to cover the. Um, he's not really an idiot. 
um, the general that George Washington brought over from Prussia because he was like, can I have some help in this war of independence from you guys in Prussia? And they're like, yeah, we'll send over our best general. And they sent over this like gigantic, hairy, incredible military man who was openly gay and had two like young lovers accompany him everywhere. And they were just like, well, he's good at killing people. So we're just, just going to ignore that shit, you know? So you were telling me about him and that would make an interesting story. I I wonder if we should ask, maybe we'll do something for the Patreons, like not yes. idiots, but just interesting stories. I don't know. Interesting stories. I wanted to do one the other day, and this is a really interesting story. And I'm just going to throw this out there for the patrons if they're listening. You know, James Blunt, who, you're beautiful. Yeah. And like that, goodbye, my lover. That, that guy um, who wrote the really shit, annoying music that everyone hated, but who's also like become one of the funniest people on Twitter because like he doesn't take himself seriously at all. Whenever people insult him, he's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, my music's shit. <laughs> yeah. And, like there was an, art- an article someone had defaced in The Guardian of um, him talking about his music and they drawn like a massive penis all over this thing. And he's like, look, I'm in The Guardian. He showed the picture. <laughs> um, so like, I was reading a story the other day because he was in the army. I didn't realize that until a while ago that he was actually in the army. He was in um, the, no, what's it called? Like um, Croatia and when, you know, the war in the Bosnia, Bosnia thing. Yeah. Um, he was told he was obviously working for the British army and he was in charge of this unit and they were working with the Americans and the Americans were taking the lead on everything. And they had to take this airfield, I think it's either, either Grozny or somewhere like that. Uh, and the, they were supposed to take this airfield so that they could launch attacks and stuff and, and control the airspace and stuff. But the Russians had got there first. Now, obviously, the Russians are allies at this point with, with the forces of the UN and all that. And the American commander told um, told uh, James Blunt to uh, to kill the Russians and take the air force, take the airfield. And he was like, um, they're our allies. I don't think that's a good idea. And he's like, no, listen, you'll get court-martialed if you don't do what I tell you. Get in there and kill those fucking Russians and take this this field. And um, he flat out refused and said, I do not want to be responsible for starting World War Three. So yeah. if it weren't for James Blunt, we would probably have been in a nuclear war with Russia by now. The guy that sung those weird, annoying songs averted World War Three. Well, now I'm going to go listen to some of his music so he can get one-eighth of a penny of something off of Spotify. Yeah, give him some money. Actually, I think a lot of people still do the hate listen with his stuff. They're like, oh, isn't this ironic? We're listening to it, knowing that he's like getting money. But like, he's wealthy, so he's fine. He's multi-millionaire doesn't need anyone's money. But I just found that fascinating that he was like, I'm not starting a world war. I'm not going to listen to this American general. And sure enough, when he got in contact with... His British commanding officer is like, you did the right thing. I don't like oh, yeah. the idea of my family being nuked. Thank yeah, you for no doing kidding. that. Uh, I'm interested to find out what general that was or officer that was. I'm going I'm to look that up. That's a good yeah, story right that there. That is a really good story. So, yeah, look up James Blunt and World War Three. It was also like, a, a the, you know, like when figure, like heads of state die and they're like, people can walk past and view them and stuff. It happened when the Queen Mother died. He was one of the guards on duty there. Oh wow! Guarding her, yeah, so that the public could go past and like see her resting uh, in state. <laughs> he was one of the guards. So James Blood really fucking 
interesting life. The guy who like takes the piss out of himself on Twitter stopped World War Three. So that's <laughs> go and stuff. look that up. That's a really good story. So um, yeah, thank you guys so much. I've had a lot of fun doing this, and we will probably look into doing some more Patreon exclusive stuff. So if you want to be part of our patreon and maybe we can record some more exclusive stuff for you go to patreon.com slash history's greatest idiots and you can get a bunch of stuff you can pay five dollars ten dollars or twenty dollars you'll get a free gift you'll get access to all of the scripts that we're posting occasionally all of the episodes are on there in their fullest um you've got a bunch of behind the scenes stuff you get mentioned on the podcast and we might even do these special non-idiot stories for you guys so and if you're a Spotify listener who has a bunch of missing episodes, uh-huh. I put those up there. Yes. So you can you can get them there. Actually, speaking of Spotify, uh, who we've had a an interesting relationship with because they've not always been the greatest. We now have 900 followers on Spotify alone. Wow. That's kind of crazy for a podcast. And we keep growing. Like the last time I checked, it was 900. Now it's 905. So uh, hightailing through history um hit me up and said showed me or us on instagram uh number 47 in the indie history podcast on the good podcasts uh this month who they are us. we are we are oh yeah. my god We're that's the, so cool top 50 that's amazing i tried to make an account there but like i can't seem to access the stuff for some reason i, I don't know how to work any of that stuff ever no, and i i don't. signed up for things i think i have like 40 dollars worth of random shit coming out because <laughs> i signed up for free trials and i'm gonna have to yeah. get one of the, Ooh, we should get a sponsor one of those people that cancels your stuff for you and then yeah. they can help oh, me yeah. cancel my stuff <laughs> yeah please if anyone out there owns a business or is part of a business that cancels all of your subscriptions and stuff like we're we're getting to the point now where like we forget to close tabs on our phone. I feel like we're getting to that age now. So please come and help us out. You'll get a reduced rate, and also you can make our lives easier. So so mm-hmm. please please help us out. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if you go to Patreon.com/slash/History'sGreatestIdiots, you can get access to that. Also, if you want our training cards, our um, History's Greatest Idiots Rogue Rogues Gallery game, uh, drop us a line. They're currently going for twenty five bucks because I've got the shipping is so expensive so um yeah drop us a message on our social medias and we can send those to you and our social medias are on instagram at history's greatest idiots and on twitter slash x elon musk's fever dream go to at greatest idiots and you can find us there and also we are on uh youtube you can find us on youtube by searching for history's greatest idiots we have over 100 subscribers on on youtube now that's so cool and if you're listening on youtube do those things they tell you to do there yeah, do that. So I don't like saying the thing. I'm not saying it. <laughs> I don't want to say it. I will say that if you go to a portion of the user interface that has the word subscribe, and if you apply a moderate amount of pressure to that symbol, we would appreciate it. And also, also if you did a similar thing uh, with the section that looks like a thumbs up, that would be really cool. And if you would like to receive somewhat... Uh, you would like to receive notifications of when we are doing things. You could also apply pressure to that button as well. There we go. That's probably not going to get us anything, but I didn't yeah, say the I didn't say the thing. I'm happy about that. I so, feel good about it. <laughs> I feel better about it too. <laughs> so thank you guys so much. I had a lot of fun doing this episode. It was so weird. Oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and um, we will be back in a couple of weeks. Derek, would you like to say goodbye, please? Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you again soon. Take care now. Bye.